Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. I hear you. Do you hear me? I can I can see your lips move, but nothing's coming through this end. I think I could lip read that one. Uh, Fuck. Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you can hear me. I can. Um, let's see. Okay. Giving cats medicine is no fun. That's my hobby these yeah, days. Yeah, I can see my wave. <laughs> Trying to force pills down their little cat throats. God, I, damn, I wish I hadn't had something to drink. Martha, be quiet for a second. Pat, talk, and I need to make sure you're making waves. I've got a war. I've got a World War II book, so I'm like trespassing on Vonnie territory this week. She's making waves. Making waves. All right. So we're set. You're good. Have a good show, you guys. I love you. The freaking headphone thing isn't even plugged in. It's just the day that I've had. I swear to God. My whole day, I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning, and the day has just been shit. Intentionally? No, no, no. Dogs. I was dog sitting, (laughs) and dogs woke me up. Um, One of the smaller dogs was using my nipples as freaking grips to climb up my chest all morning long until I had to go finally put a bra on, like little handhelds when you're climbing up the rock wall. Rained all night, so dogs coming in and out. I had freaking mud all over the... Did you get that other gig, the the sample passing out one? Um, I did that last week, and passing out the samples was fun. Mm-hmm. But, like, trying to figure out what I was supposed to do on the portal to start working and stop working was kind of a pain because... Is it, like, at a grocery store? Or? Yeah, it's, like, one of those people that you see. I was handing out samples of ice cream. Oh. Now well, that that's makes the popular. best sample. Yeah. yeah. But the bad thing is, is that you're supposed to taste your sample so you can tell people what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't eat ice cream. Oh. I'm lactose sensitive. <laughs> See, and here I was thinking that is the best part, but not for you. The other person that was sampling was doing like this fettuccine Alfredo stuff. And she brought mm-hmm. over to, she brought it over to me and she said, try this and tell me what you think of it. And I'm like, is that Alfredo sauce? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, no. <laughs> I mean, I could, but you'd have to watch my station while I ran to the bathroom. <laughs> but anyways, so how's everybody else? How's... How's your Mother's Day weekend? The cat's got me nothing. Yeah. Dang that. (laughs) Can't complain. No love for the mothers. I'm still feeling weird. So I kept forgetting and I haven't done anything for my mother. So yeah, bad, bad child. Bad. I actually remember to send a card to my stepmom who lives in Kansas. Usually I forget until like Thursday. And then I'm just real quick on an Amazon next day delivery. I'm like, what can I send her? And just say, oh, I just thought this was pretty and it made me think of you. Not that I waited until the last minute. <laughs> oh, cards. That re- that's My brother's birthday is two days after Mother's Day. And it's too late to get a card in the mail now and expect it to get there. So I guess I'll have to call him. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm very sucky at remembering things and at 
acting on those things because I don't really care. So yeah. I expect I have everyone good intentions. Else to I think at like three in the morning, you know, you're lying awake and you go, oh yeah, I should do something for somebody's birthday. I should do. And then during the day when you can actually do something about it. Now nah, I have no thoughts yeah. like that. <laughs> I turn everything into a production. Like it's graduation season. And I, I, and I mean, I know someone who graduated college and I was like, oh, I should send her flowers. And I was like, but I also know this person and this other person and I haven't sent them anything. And oh yeah, my son graduated like from community college this week. Did I get him anything? No. So maybe I shouldn't send this fun girl flowers when I'm not doing nothing for nobody else. In case they talk to each other. <laughs> no, I know no one would talk to each other about it. It would just make me feel bad. Well, yeah, yeah I do and the I would same agonize. thing. Agonize. Yeah, May's the crappiest month of the entire year because just... everybody's graduating. It's my anniversary, my father's birthday, my my father-in-law's birthday. My girls both have their birthdays like a week apart from each other. I'm just like, May, there's too much. So then I end up doing nothing for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and it just makes everybody super happy. Yeah. I mean, if they didn't have commercials wanting you to buy shit for holidays, I probably wouldn't remember those either. <laughs> yeah. I even have a birthday calendar. I mean, an actual physical calendar that hangs on the wall lists everybody's birthdays for the month and i still can't manage to notice it and and do anything you know what my biggest reminder is is facebook facebook sends yeah. me notification it's so-and-so's birthday well shoot see yes i used to be much better when i was on facebook and now i only get on facebook for book related junk like to check the three book girl stuff and like I was just looking at Pat, I was on Facebook just now and I was looking at all the stuff Pat's posted recently. And I was like, wow, I look like a big old turd because I didn't say anything about like her opening night or this or this. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. look at yeah. me ignoring people. And it's getting to be political season again. And I'll have to get off of Facebook completely or else I'll make myself insane. I remember Martha tried that other Facebook alternatives. It was some kind of dinosaur thing or something. Wasn't that it? was a Twitter alternative, I think. Oh, was it? I've never been on Twitter because I, I don't understand no, Twitter. I don't I don't Twitter was it or Minotaur or, or something or weird. It was something weird, but I don't remember or the name of it. Or... Mammoth, maybe. It mammoth? That sounds better than Minotaur. Maybe. Minotaur is not really dinosaur. Minotaur. Neither is a mammoth. I'm not sure. Or it was, yeah, it's way closer than a minotaur, yeah. which doesn't even exist. <laughs> did you see that thing? Did we talk about that before? The people who were like growing fake mammoth meat or some, and making meatballs? Yeah. Yes, we talked yeah. about that. That's oh Maybe the God. mammoths will be back. I don't know. That Thank would you. be a Wyoming kind of business for somebody right? to be a mammoth rancher. <laughs> well, you guys have the space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but a mammoth stampede would really suck. Oh man, yeah. that would take out a few buildings. Right? Yeah. I don't know. We're getting into that territory where we're messing with a lot of stuff. Like every time I turn on the news, I'm like, maybe we shouldn't mess with that. Like maybe we shouldn't try that. Speaking of things that we shouldn't be messing with, the whole AI <laughs> thing and is AI going to like rule the world or or be our best friend and and it was some guideline. I think it was the woman who's the head of the FTC, maybe FTC or FCC, one of those apps. Yeah, sure. And uh, and she was like, "Well, we just need to have guidelines. Like AI should clearly identify itself as AI, and it shouldn't do anything to try and influence people's beliefs or values." And I was like, "Good luck with that." Right. <laughs> I'm not sure what 
you know, little happy paradise she lives in. But And then I also saw that the UK, the first babies are being born that were created with three people's DNA. I don't know exactly how it works. I mean, I get why you would do it because I immediately thought of like two gay men and a surrogate, like in this way you have both of their DNA or the same with two women and a guy like, but at the same time, I'm like, it gives you even more chances to have funky DNA crossing. Like, you know how there's all sorts of recessive stuff. I mean, yeah. yeah, um, and plus, I just you know, see it being a problem. When ah. I was taking my um, ethics class, because, you know, I went healthcare administration, so it was healthcare related. They were talking about the ethical problems with changing DNA and making like customized, like customizing your baby. Mm-hmm. Like you want your, your baby to have blue eyes. So that's the DNA you use. You want it to have blonde hair. You want it to have a specific features. You know, you um, customize your yeah. baby in a petri dish with the dna that you want it to have and then implant it into the woman's uterus and i was talking about they're already doing that right that uh, crispr thing that edits genes yeah Mm -hmm. which they it seems like they're not supposed to create life yet using crispr but somebody did i think i want to say some chinese scientist or something and came out that that they had why is it called crispr that's it's the short. weirdest name ever. It it makes me think of it's, like it's some kind of an acronym, and it doesn't. It doesn't have the. Uh, it's like C R S P R or maybe C R S P E R, but it. Yeah, it doesn't. It's a. It's an acronym for something. Seems like it should be a chicken place. Time to take my egg out <laughs> of the crisper. Go ahead and right. shove it on Let's up see. in my uterus. Do you think it's ethical to be able to? Pick what color eyes you want your baby to have and what color hair and how tall and how. Here's me being cynical. I think it doesn't matter if it's ethical, because if you have enough money, you're going to do whatever the hell you want to do. And they're going to let you like. Unless there's laws against it. Yeah. But Mm. it doesn't matter. There's laws against everything. If you have enough money, you can get around anything. You can go around it. Yeah. CRISPR is clustered, regularly interspaced, short palindromic repeats. Dear God, it still sounds like chicken. That clears it up. (laughs) It sounds like something you would get from Chili's, like a chicken crisper. Like that's what they call their chicken fingers. Something like that. Can I have some honey mustard for my crisper? Right? Yeah, I don't like the name. I'm not entirely sure I like what they do either. And it seems like chicken is one of those things. It's like the first thing they mess with genetically in every sci-fi book where they mess with genetic stuff. It's always chicken. I know I've read several books where they are artificially growing chicken meat without having to actually have a chicken, where it's basically a chicken breast with no brain, no feet, no nothing. It just grows there, just just this blob of chicken meat that grows and then you harvest it. So, so let me let me ask chicken, you a question. Chickens could be out of a job, you know. Yeah, if serious. You, if you grow a chicken breast in the lab, would it be okay for a vegan to eat it because it never had a face? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think you <laughs> found the true. loophole that every vegan has been praying for. <laughs> we took the three new cats for dental appointments this week, and oh. one of them had one tooth pulled, and the other two each had five teeth pulled. Wow. Holy crap! So they're like. You know their mouths hurt, but you cannot 
reason with a cat and say, take the pain pills, we'll make you feel better. They just don't and listen. And when their mouths hurt anyway, they really get upset when you try and shove a pill into their mouth. Ugh. I mean, I've, I put them in pill pockets, but they don't. Dude, pill pockets have never worked for any of my cats. My cats are like, they can smell the pill or something. Oh, yeah, they, they, they eat the little pocket part and right. spit the pill back out. And, and luckily, she... Charlie's dumb enough because he has to take a couple pills every day. And we don't, we, I stop getting pill pockets. We just take a piece of American cheese and tear a little strip off it and mold that around the pill. And he's like, oh, cheese, okay. And, you know, like <laughs> lab brain, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll eat that. Yeah. <laughs> Looks good to me. What do you mean this is a magic mushroom? If it's in cheese, yeah. I'll eat it. Yeah. <laughs> cheese on that magic mushroom omelet. We do uh, play them in. We always do gag gifts during the cast party. You draw another cast member's name at the beginning and get them something. I can say this because by the time this hits the air, we will have already closed the show and it will be <laughs> and on the off chance that Faith listens to the podcast. She will not, she will not get any spoilers, but I got one of our tech people who is our dog wrangler. We have a dog in the show. Oh, wow. It is, it is it's supposed to be a lap dog and it is, it's a Chinese crested. It's, and I mean, it's a it's a sweet little. It obviously is very much loved and appreciated. But it's it's 18 years old and deaf and blind and mostly bald. And well, they're not very pretty dogs, anyways. Crested to, to start with, yeah. So I mean, and his name is Valentino, and and Valentino is you know he's kind of sweet. But that's the the job of the person whose name I drew is to wrangle the dog. And there's a line in the play about that one character says to another about. When, when, when you take him out to potty, make sure you don't watch him because he's really sensitive about that sort of thing. <laughs> so good old Facebook actually popped up with a mug that has a picture of a dog squatting to poop. And it says, you make eye contact with me while I, or I make eye contact with you while I poop. And that's a special kind of intimacy. <laughs> and then you could personalize it with the dog's name at the bottom. So it was like, that's it. That's the gift for this girl in that That's funny. <laughs> I love that there's a dog wrangler. Yeah. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> and that there's a real dog in the show. Well, and sometimes there's a real dog and sometimes there's a stuffed dog because there's a scene in the show where the dog has to get thrown off a balcony. <laughs> oh. And it's that he gets thrown off the balcony, he lands in the pool, and then I carry him back in later because he's fine. He's just landed in the pool and been fished out. But we figured, no, you can't throw the real dog even a little way. Yes. Yeah. Thank you no, for not, not eating like the dog yeah. across the stage. That there would cause was a problems. category on Jeopardy a couple days ago, a category devoted to yeeting. Really? You're kidding. No, they what? had a whole category. It was like different things that get yeeted and how do you... <laughs> That's funny. Because I had never heard the word before you guys started talking about yeeting the baby in whichever uh, Kenneth, what's his name, book that was. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the prequel to Pillars of the Earth. What yeah. Was it? Uh, evening yeah. and evening And the whole and reason I started saying it was because it was something new that my kids had been saying. And I just oh. thought it was a funny word. And I was. Yeah. So I was trying to be ironic with my use of it. But yeah, now it's like a term that I don't understand. But I made it onto Jeopardy. That's <laughs> funny. A baby. Well, there's no yeeting of babies in my book. What? This week. <laughs> Um, the book I read this week is called Homefront by Kristen Hanna. 
and I've read a couple of Kristen Hanna before books before and reviewed them and I always like her books this one is about a woman she's married uh, with a child or children I think she has two children two girls and this is kind of a book about her marriage her tour of duty in Iraq and coming home from Iraq so it starts out as the main character, Jolene, a little bit into her teenage years. Dad is an alcoholic and mom is an enabler. Um, dad yells and screams. He's not a very nice guy. And her mom always forgives him and takes him back no matter what he does. And she kind of resents her mom a little bit for this. She... um thinks that she's, you know, weak for not standing her ground. Well, when she was a senior in high school, they get into a car accident and die, both of them. And this is early on in the book, so it's not really too much of a spoiler. Um, and then it kind of fast forwards to Jolene being an adult. She's joined the military. Um, she has one friend who she's gone to basic training with, and she's basically been friends with the whole time. And she's a very confident, independent, almost to a fault kind of person. And her husband, Michael, he's a lawyer, and he always had admired her independence and everything else until his father died, and he tried to talk to her about what he was feeling and she basically told him you know just cheer up just smile fake it until you make it she just didn't really want to because she thought that it was it's not that she was being insensitive she thought it was like a weakness to feel the pain of losing a parent and um it kind of caused problems in their marriage because he no longer felt like he could go to her and it, it just, it created this rift. Well, then she gets called in to go to Iraq. And their marriage isn't really in a great place when they leave. So they don't really leave on good terms. So it's, everything is kind of teetering on the edge of if their marriage is even going to make it. And she goes to Iraq. She gets injured. I'm not going to go into extent because you have to read the book. That would be a spoiler. She's sent home because of her injuries. And then it's about her trying to go back to being a mother and a wife and dealing with post-traumatic stress syndrome, not being able to do the things that she could do before because of these injuries that she sustained in Iraq. And, and she's just not doing good. And one of her daughters is a teenager and is snarky and smartassy. So you can imagine how that goes. I mean, Keith, you've right. had teenagers. You know how that is. And she just has a really hard time dealing with everything. And Michael doesn't understand what she's going through. And Jolene's not opening up and telling him what she's going through. Yeah, that's basically what the book is about and about how they cope and how she her adjustments and everything else it's a really good book 
I don't want to give spoilers away because I don't want to say how the book ended. <laughs> so, but it does wrap everything up by the end of the book. I mean, it's definitely not a sequel or anything. It didn't end on a cliffhanger. And um, I'm always interested in reading books like this because post-traumatic stress syndrome is such a huge deal and it's so hard to understand because veterans just aren't quite as open with it and everything because they think it makes them weak when it doesn't I mean it's it's a real serious condition this is one we need Rachel on the podcast so she can talk about (laughs) it (laughs) but yeah it was very well written it was one of those ones that I didn't want to stop reading Kristen Hannah I want to say all of her books are like that but and there's if you're a crier there's parts of this that you're gonna cry it's not intensely sad. It was a great read. I, I would definitely recommend this to somebody. And uh, that again was called Homefront by Kristen Hanna. And it's an ode to mothers on Mother's Day weekend. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Since we've got another war novel, maybe Keith should go yeah, between that's... us to space yes, out. Yes, I do not stuff. have a war novel. Unless you have a war novel. <laughs> surprise, surprise. No war novel for me. So the book I am reviewing this week is called Stars Collide by Rachel Lacey. And I want to thank uh, Jennifer over at Over the River Public Relations for sending this to us to review. So this book, I thought of Megan a lot while I read this book. <laughs> Let me just say that because this book is about this really hugely popular pop star named Eden. And she it she has been like a big star for 20 years. She got her start when she was 16. Um, she reminds me the whole time I'm just picturing Taylor Swift, honestly, um, who I know next to nothing about. I'll just say it. I'm not a Swifty or anything, but it, it was very much like um, somebody who Eden is like a pop star who is on the same level like she has just been huge for years and years but um in our story like it's her 20th year she just got out of a marriage um she just got divorced she uh, her parents kind of got her started in singing and were not hugely supportive it was kind it was the kind of thing where they're very interested in all of her decisions regarding her musical career because um, they have ulterior motives. And like when she was young, she it was the money and everything else. Um, so she has kind of been on her own for a long time. And she is so huge that she lives this very kind of solitary life because she can't go out really. Um, because she gets mobbed everywhere she goes. And while she likes the fans, she also is just really scared of them when, because they're crazy about her. So that was really, it's really interesting to read it. I mean, it was not the kind of thing that I generally read about, but I mean, it brought up a whole lot of issues that I never would have thought of that you'd have when you were super famous. But her issue now is that she's been writing all this music. She's been, 
She writes all her own music. She's been winning Grammys and all sorts of awards. And she put out this her last album and didn't win anything for it, um, didn't get great sales for it. And it's kind of the first time that's ever happened to her. And she's proud of the music she's written, but she knows that it isn't something she's... The songs weren't anything that she was super... Um, that came from a really deep place, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, she knows it's kind of superficial stuff. And the problem is that she's going on tour and she's done lots of tours and all her tours have always sold out. And this tour is not looking like it's going to sell out. Like, she's still mega famous, but, like, not, not many people were into her last album. So she is really worried that she has peaked, I guess. And she's not very old. I mean, she's, like, in her 30s. So enter this young, new rising pop star, and her name is Anna. And she is really bubbly and really fun and she has this really upbeat music and like lots of young she has lots of young fans and her issue is that she is putting butts in the seats and she doesn't have a problem with that and um but she is seen as like this really young kind of star and she's not i mean she's 27 but people think she's a teenager because she puts out this really bubbly music and she has these really young fans and she wants to be taken seriously more as like an adult artist. So someone comes up with the idea of putting her as the opening act to Eden. And of course, then with the two of them together, the concerts all sell out and everything. So the book is about their friendship and this is a sapphic romance so um anna is a pansexual and she's very open about it and she's very proud of it and eden the older really really famous pop star has always thought that she was straight she just got out of a marriage and she is in her 30s and she's having a really hard time coming to terms with the fact that she's attracted to Anna because she feels almost guilty and like she can't explore who she is because she's older and she's like this is something people figure out when they're young and if I haven't figured it out by now like what on earth am I doing so it was not only is it just fun because it's the music industry like again not really my jam, but I really enjoyed reading about it. It There were a lot of really good points they made about like their, the way they could go out, their senses of privacy and how that was invaded. So it was a really good look at the music industry, but it was a really great novel about how you're never too old to discover things about yourself, um, about this young woman who... Eden starts out thinking of Anna as the way everyone else sees her as this young kind of bubbly, like maybe not so bright kind of pop star. And then realizes that she actually is so cemented in who she is and she is not at all afraid to speak out for anyone. And she realizes that she's not only not an airhead, but she's this brave, amazing person who's helping her come to terms with who she is 
when she has never felt safe enough to do that with anybody in her life. So it was a really, really great look at um, two women in a friendship, two women coming to terms with who they want to be, coming to terms with the fact that it's never too late to change where your path is taking you. And it was just really, you read a lot of romances and I don't know if they know who they are. They know that they love each other. Like, and it's just about the romance. And this was very much about a sense of discovery, a sense of exploring your sexuality and the fact that it's never too late for anything you want to do in your life. So I, I found that really, I thought it was really inspiring. And I thought, you know, if you were a person that had struggled with this, I mean, this would be a great book for you. I mean, for kids, for kids who are struggling, for older people who have never explored that side of themselves, because it really came across very authentically. Uh, I did read that the author, Rachel Lacey, actually did realize that she was bisexual later in her life. So, I mean, this is very much a story that you can tell it's authentic and stuff that she has gone through in her own life. I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was really good. I thought it had a lot of funny moments, a lot of I hate using the word poignant because I know Martha hates it, like tender moments. It was just and it's a lot of fun, too. So, I mean, it can be very lighthearted as well as having like the heavy kind of moments. So that, again, was Stars Collide by Rachel Lacey. With that sounds really interesting. With the it music. really was. I mean, it was not the kind of thing that I would generally pick up, honestly, but I was really glad to have read it. Sounds like something Megan would like. You know, I thought about her the whole time, honestly, because it was something that she would really like. Yeah. As soon as you said Taylor Swift, I was like, oh, <laughs> sounds like a Megan. And I don't think it was supposed to be necessarily like, but just the fact that she was so huge and she started young and I I just kept thinking of Taylor Swift and I was like wow never really thought about it but I mean yeah you can't just go to the grocery store you can't just you know what I mean like yeah. everything's under a magnifying glass I don't think so I would that, like I don't think I would like that oh I would hate it oh my gosh I don't want to be famous I'm not even interested I mean I'm okay what? To be famous on the podcast where house. people can't see my face because <laughs> then I can say, oh, no, yeah, a lot of people tell me I sound like her. <laughs> <laughs> my whole family talks about how we're kind of sad that there aren't mask mandates anywhere anymore because having a mask over like half of your face really gave you like it was easier to go out for all of us insane introverts in this household because <laughs> you know it was like oh it's just your eyes that's fine i just liked it because it gave me an excuse to stay home and tell people oh well i can't because you know quarantine. well and that was great too yeah. <laughs> yeah god knows i don't ever want to leave my house and if somebody came up to me when i dared to leave my house and wanted to talk to me dear god in heaven like ugh. You mean I can pull up to Walmart and they'll put everything in my trunk and just wave at me as I drive right? off? I'm like, <laughs> go to the grocery store and not have to talk to a single person. I'm all about that. 
Yeah. DoorDash, like it's going out of style here. I mean, we don't even drive through anymore because that's too much contact. Now they just leave food at our door. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> nice. Contactless <laughs> delivery. Just put it on the doorstep. <laughs> there was, God, what show was I watching where they had the delivery? Oh, it was uh, Poker Face. I don't know if any of you watched yes, that. I love that show. That episode where the guy was on home... Uh, home prison yes. and he kept ordering food yeah. from DoorDash and he never he was fabulously wealthy but he would never tip at all yes. and so the DoorDash driver started leaving the food further and further from the gate because he knew that <laughs> it would trigger his ankle monitor alarm if he went past the gate to get his food <laughs> Dude, smartest delivery guy ever that's yeah. one way to do it <laughs> always tip your DoorDash yeah. driver because yeah. I mean dude I, don't I mean, know they where could I'd do stuff to your food. <laughs> I mean, that and it, it's kind of like um, tipping your waiter or waitress. They handle your food. Right. Do you yeah. really want to be rude to them and and um, be confident in eating that cheddar cheese soup? Right. And not <laughs> think that there's something in there. <laughs> there are some people like the woman who does my hair. Do I want to have hair that looks awful? No. So tipper, like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> if they are, if they're delivering me my food, if they're getting me my groceries, if they're doing my hair, if I leave them in charge of my eyebrows, you need to give them a good tip so that they don't mess you up. Exactly. Okay. So grocery delivery, here's the question. Cause when grocery delivery first started during the pandemic or not delivery, but order online and then drive into the parking lot and they bring it out and throw it in the back of your car. Oh, well, that uh -huh. I don't tip for. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay. That's different. Not I tried, a... the, the first time I did that, I tried to tip them and they were like, no, we can't. We don't. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because somebody is employed specially inside of Walmart or wherever to do that, that that's their job and they get paid a regular wage. Whereas yeah. they source out the delivering of groceries to people and they don't get paid. Uh, they mostly get their wages and tips is oh. what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So it's, they're kind of like a waiter or a waitress. Like they don't get paid a great amount. Like they get paid for gas and, but they basically make their money on tips. That makes sense. I, there's gotta be a good guide out there. Maybe some, we should find one and review it. It's like, I never know. When do you tip? How much do you tip? And well, I, I tend to, I tend to over tip because I'm afraid of insulting somebody. Yeah. Same. Well, you yeah. know, Pat, I didn't know that you were supposed to tip at a hotel room until you tipped that one time that we went to Colorado. Mm. And I was like, what are you leaving money for? And you told me a tip. And I, in my brain, I'm thinking, you're supposed to tip them? You know <laughs> what? And I know that, but I'm just thinking about, like, I went, Jamie and I went to a hotel, like, not last weekend, but the weekend before. And I, and I kept thinking to myself, remember to leave money and then I, I totally didn't and now I feel like a jacket yeah I did not know you were supposed to tip yeah but you don't tip a whole lot for oh, that do you not how what's the normal I think it's amount? a dollar a day <laughs> oh I was shit. Gonna say like five dollars a day well I then think. my but mate real? really liked me because I was Crap, at the hotel dude. for two days and tipped 20 bucks <laughs> oh wow yeah you were I figure it's more important if you're like staying a couple of days yeah. So you might get the same person in there several times. You want to tip well so that they like don't call up the front desk and say, hey, you know, they have pot in the room. 
Um, well, they didn't the come to my room the whole time I was there because it was like um, the days that I was there, they didn't come. And like mm. I would see them in the hallway and I would change out towels. But I wanted to give a good tip, too, because I also had my dog there. Uh, so yeah. and yeah. like she kind of got, you know, a little bit of mud like on the sheets and on the little bedspread cover thing on the bed that we were not using. Just from going outside and coming back in, it wasn't nothing gross. It was just mud. And, of course, you know, dog hair and where I had yeah. her food and water in the bathroom. I just wanted to make sure. And When I have, like, a lot of garbage or if I've gotten a lot of room service and the room is always, like, foodie, yeah, I, I do tip more. Or if I request extra towels or whatever. But, yeah. But now I feel, okay. You know what we you know what we really should do as a country is the is we should give everybody a livable wage and then we wouldn't have to worry about who to tip what. I mean True. Yeah. I always remember my high school English teacher who used to travel in Europe during the summers and she came back and told us this one story. I I think it might have been Greece, but I'm not sure which country, but it was a case where they have a bathroom attendant in the ladies' room to oh like hand you a towel or something. And she didn't tip that person. And she said she that they came out of the bathroom all screaming at her and yelling at her. Really? And it was like, I think that made me a little paranoid about tipping. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that would make me paranoid. I would not want to go to a place with a bathroom attendant. Yeah. Because I really what are, wouldn't. What are they doing? Just sitting out there listening to you pee? I mean, right. I yeah, I, I have I guess a hard enough. bad enough when you had go in there and you like let out a toot and you're like, are people in here? Sometimes I feel like I got to stay in the stall until everyone's left. So nobody knows that it was me that did the toot. Like, <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. yeah, I can't even imagine if there was someone paid just sit there mm -hmm. and listen to all my. Uh, yeah, yeah. I already have a hard enough time going to the bathroom in public. <laughs> I know, standing right? Outside my stall. Same. Excuse me, I'll tip you five dollars if you can sing. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> How much does it cost for you to go away? <laughs> Here's a ten. Stand outside for five minutes. Yeah. Okay, so, Pat, Pat. What did you read? Probably okay. not anything about bathroom attendants or tipping. Not that there, there are not even bathrooms in this book. I will bet <laughs> it, it, it would. Um, I read a book that uh, it's called Fires on the Plain and by, and once again, a chance to mangle someone's uh, name in a in another culture, <laughs> Shohei Oka. It's a Japanese book. This is what I found it. Here's a, a, a plug for your local library. Almost everybody's local libraries has book sales where you can pick up all kinds of interesting stuff for real cheap. I got this at our local library's book sale because I was, uh, I was intrigued by the uh, description on the back and that it's one of supposedly the uh, the best. This is generally recognized to be the most important Japanese novel to have come out of the last war. And the last war when this was written was World War II. Oh, wow. uh, indeed, it may be ranked with the great books about war in any literature. So it's like, we'll give it a try. It is a very interesting novel. It's not very long. It's a little over 200 pages. It is concerned with a Japanese soldier on uh, the the island of Leyte, which is part of the Philippines, toward the end of the war, 
the Japanese are pretty much getting their butts kicked. And situation is dire enough to start with. But this guy has, they, they refer to it as consumption. And at first I thought tuberculosis, but if, from more context, as I read through the novel, I think it was something more like pneumonia. Mm. But at any rate, at the very beginning of the novel, he is being basically kicked out of his company because he has this some kind of lung disease and he's not strong enough to fight. And they say, you've got to go to the field hospital, which is like four miles away. But the situation is bad enough for the Japanese army at this point that the field hospital has no supplies, no food, very little medicine. And if you don't show up there with your own supply of food, they will not admit you. They just say, go sit on the grass outside. So there's a whole bunch of wounded and sick Japanese soldiers who are just sitting around on the ground outside this hospital waiting for something to happen. They're not quite sure what. It's very depressing, um, their situation is. And then the field hospital gets bombed and burns down. And they're, I mean, bombs are dropping everywhere. And these soldiers who have been outside waiting just wander off into the jungle. Uh, Private Tamura, who is the one that we're following, wanders through the jungle. He finds... Uh, he has a, a potato. He's given two potatoes when he leaves his unit. That's like, they say- Severance to, pay? Yeah, so it's like, here says to get, it might, actually, no, I think it was six potatoes. Now somebody, everybody has, like people are known in this book by the number of potatoes they had. There's the one potato soldier and the two potato soldier and- so he was a pretty good soldier. He was, he, mean, was, he, was, he, had a six, he was a six potato soldier. He was rich compared to a lot of these guys, yeah. but they have no, no source of fire. So they're eating these potatoes raw. And I don't think they're Irish kind of potatoes like we eat. They referred to them at one point as tree potatoes or vine potatoes. Um, so there's, there's some different form of potato, but he wanders through the jungle. He finally finds a little abandoned uh, what had been a farm and basically got a hut and it's still got some potatoes in the ground. So he like settles in there. He still has to eat the potatoes raw. There's no, no source of fire. He's depressed and demoralized enough that he really can't go out and do much for himself. And then he notices that there's a hill that rises up from this farm. He goes to the top of the hill and looks down and there's a uh, it's close to the ocean. So you can see the ocean and he can see the steeple of a church through the trees. So at one point he makes his way down and finds this little village where the church is located. It's completely deserted, but except for some dogs and a lot of buzzing insects. And that's because on the steps of the church, there's a whole pile of dead Japanese soldiers. Yeah. He, well, he theorizes they were killed by the townspeople, and then the townspeople got nervous that if more Japanese army units were to come across them, they would see this pile of Japanese soldiers and take revenge and kill the rest of the town. So the townspeople have fled, and there's nothing but this pile of bodies on the steps of the church. The encounters kind of get weirder and weirder. At one point, he's surprised by someone who's just going they've they've showed up to try and 
also, I think, loot the town. And they startle each other, and he accidentally shoots one of them. And that becomes the source, even though he's a soldier in the middle of a war, that becomes a huge source of guilt for him. He's He takes things very sensitively, this private Tamura does. As the book proceeds, I mean, things don't get any better for him. He decides to, there's supposed to be a spot where they can get picked up on the coast if, the, if all the Japanese soldiers can make their way to this particular town. There'll be boats there to pick them up. But to get there, they have to cross a highway that's patrolled by American soldiers. And they can't get across. There's a there's a bog. There's a lot of slogging through the bog in the middle of the night. And they get onto the road and people are shooting at them. And, and he ends up fleeing back into the bog. And he spends months out in the jungle on the verge of starvation, basically hallucinating a lot of the time. And even the interactions with the other Japanese soldiers that he meets are are very weird because everyone is everyone is desperate enough that no one can really trust anyone else. One thing that this book was very good at, it's a a recommendation that's often given to writers is pretty familiar I think to most readers people say show don't tell. And this book does not tell you, and I don't think there was ever a sentence that said Private Tamura felt this. Mm-hmm. It's it's all just his actions, and you read into it what he's feeling, and as he's starting, he's starting to lose his mind basically. And again, not to give away too many spoilers, so I can't tell you how things end up for him, but mm-hmm. it's uh, in some ways it's very poetically written. It's the the writing is very skillful. But the story is just a bummer from beginning to end. There is, <laughs> there is not, I mean, it's it's worth reading because I think it's the sort of thing you read and go, if you didn't think war was horrible enough beforehand, you will think it after you read this book. It's incredibly moralizing just how bad things get, how bad things can be for soldiers. But well-written, a fairly quick read, and... Also, you know, it's, I, I have enjoyed trying to read things from different cultures, from different perspectives. We as Americans, I think, are, have often demonized the Japanese in connection with World War II. I mean, every movie I can think of that I've ever seen where someone ends up in a Japanese prison camp, well, they come off as the worst people in the world. And even in this book, they are sort of, well... Several of the Japanese soldiers are intending to surrender to the Americans because they they think that they will be treated better in an American prisoner of war camp than starving in the jungle would be. Although the one person that we see who actually gets out onto that highway and surrenders to an American is shot on sight. So we're not necessarily any better than anybody else. Right. Yeah. But a very... Very powerful, very interesting book. And that is Fires on the Plain by Shohei Oka. And to be fair, I mean, not all uh, Japanese are in the same category, but they did do some horrendous things during the war. Oh, yeah. I've seen, well, you think of the, like the bridge on the River Kwai or that, uh, that one movie with with David Bowie as the prison. Anybody else ever see that? There's a movie where David Bowie plays a British 
prisoner of war in a Japanese POW camp. No. And it's... But I want to. <laughs> yeah, it's it's he's he's really very good. He was a good actor as well as a I'll have singer. to look that up. It's like from 1952. Yeah. So and I it's older. It, and the the English translation I think was 57, maybe, but yeah. And then I saw as I was just looking up some about it, apparently they've made a movie, maybe even two movies out of it. But really oh, wow. I can't imagine how depressing those would be to watch. They have it on Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon. The David Bowie movie was Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Huh. That wasn't one I expected. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound like a prisoner of war kind of movie. Sounds like a Christmas right? movie that, you know, has little girls in red velvet yeah. dresses. And... Mm -hmm. Made in 1983. Wow. They waited a while. So, you know, it was funny. I, I meant to bring this up because I found this when I was looking at, I went down the rabbit hole and was looking up Taylor Swift stuff when I was reading my book. Mm -hmm. And um, so I don't dislike her. I, I don't really enjoy her music. Like I enjoyed it when she was younger. Now I just don't get it because probably because I'm old. But so I saw this thing while I was searching and a fan is selling her contact lenses like her own contact lenses that have seen Taylor Swift's Eras tour for ten thousand dollars. What? She's trying to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do they know that that's really true? Does she have to show proof? I mean, does it come with um, copies of her tickets? I don't know where how she you would validate show? that. I really don't. And how do you know that how those are the contacts that were in her eyes at the time? Right? Their buddy brings some like Taylor Swift etching on that contact. <laughs> well, it made me wonder, like, you know how people like it made me wonder if Taylor Swift has gotten to the the point in her fame. Like, you know how El people will pay for Elvis is like sweaty towels. I was just his thinking toenail clippings and shit. Like, is she at that point now where people are willing to pay money for like good money for I don't know something she sweated on, or I bet you they would. Oh, I bet I have I have been at Star Trek conventions where I they have auctioned off for charity, but somebody some Star Trek actor will be on stage and drink water out of a paper cup, and then they'll auction off the cup that they used, and people will pay hundreds of dollars. Wow, Dang. yeah, and then they have their DNA. See, and that's what would creep me out about being famous. Because mm. what are they going to do with that DNA? I mean, they might go. Can't drink a cup of water. They might go to the CRISPR and try to, you know, grow a. <laughs> <laughs> some fan. A duplicate. Now that you can do the three people, some fan is going to be like, okay, just listen for a second, honey, and don't poo-poo it right away. But you, me, David Bowie. Like we can make a we can baby. Make the best kid. We can make a David Bowie baby. <laughs> I have his DNA right here. My uh, husband might have been on board with something like that. He really likes David Bowie or Freddie Mercury. That's kind of creepy though. <laughs> I mean it is. That's really creepy. Not even kind of creepy. That's that gives a whole new meaning to Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's true. But the kids with three parents, it's like, so Mother's Day, Father's Day, and third day, whatever the other person is. <laughs> it's kind I mean, of like that one time that they were talking about mother or they were talking about Mother's and Father's Day on Friends. And um Susan, who was uh Carol's lesbian lover. She yeah. said, well, there's a Mother's Day, there's a Father's Day, there's not a Lesbian Lover's Day. <laughs> Every day is Lesbian Lover's Day. Right. Think, think of the market for kids' books. You know, Heather has two-thirds. Uh, <laughs> right. Or three mommies or three. <laughs> Heather has two daddies and a mommy, but only two of them live with her. <laughs> Could you imagine the lawsuits, though, if, like, somebody came back and it was genetically proven that, like, Taylor Swift was one third of somebody's parent. They'd be like, "What?" <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, you know, if you can grow a dinosaur out of a an old mosquito left in amber, you can grow a baby out of Taylor Swift's I mean, paper. We're already making mammoth up. burgers out of mammoths. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of a chicken breast growing in the lab, it's going to be a Taylor Swift breast. Growing in the lab. Well, and if you have three, if you can put three people's DNA, then it's just a matter of time before they're like, I want to put five people's because I want all of these cool, like, you know. Yeah, and... I want the whole Partridge family in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the story about the guy and the girl who'd been dating for four years? Like they lived together and everything and were, and they did one of those DNA test and found out they were full brother and sister. They How were both that adopted. What? Oh my god! Because they were both adopted. Oh my god! How creepy would that be later on when you you've been living in sin with your own sister mm -hmm. and didn't know it? That would I mean, take some therapy, man. Right. I bet there's at least one book out there somewhere with that as a plot. I'm sure there is. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. At least there will be now that this has actually happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like they went on TikTok, I think, and it blew up. And now I've seen it on all these different like articles and stuff. And they've pretty, they pretty much had already decided they never wanted kids. So they're just, so they're staying together. I mean. That hmm. kind of see, I thought about something. I mean, how like do you that. turn off? They've been together for four years. I mean, well, so long as they quit sleeping together because that's icky. They've already done it like a hundred times at least. Still... And how? I mean, how it, it's it it's icky and what if you know the person and grow up with them that's as your it. brother or it's sister? Only icky because you've grown up close and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're a complete stranger to you. Yeah. You know, no, genetically, probably not a good See, idea. It's but icky if they for us it. thinking about it. But for them, they've been, they knew no better. Like, but I mean, dude, you'd have to move now because everybody knows because you put it on TikTok like an idiot. Like, yeah, that's true. But see, you know, like, for example, I think when... that's actually the plot from some Renaissance era <laughs> play. I, I, I want to say I read this somewhere in grad school where it was a brother and sister who did not know they were brother and sister well, and ended up lovers. Luke Skywalker and. and um, oh, yeah. They were <laughs> they were brother and sister and they were totally in love with each other and not in a sisterly way, <laughs> not in a family <laughs> way. <laughs> Well, you know, when you guys were talking about like the whole parenting thing, like the brother sister, 
did you ever remember that guy that oh, got God. in trouble because um, he had given so much sperm to the sperm bank and he had like 300 children or whatnot? Yes, that's no. the kind of shit I'm talking about. It like, always yeah. made me wonder. I mean, they don't know who each other are. So what if they get together and then they do the blood test and they're siblings? I'm honestly surprised it hasn't happened more already. I Like, I'm honestly surprised this was the first. It's probably not the first time. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm sure it's not. Because nobody says, I mean, there are certain things you do when you meet somebody. You're like, okay, so like we're looking for compatibility issues like... What do you think about this? Um, hey, have you been tested for like STDs? Da, 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 da. You don't say, okay, do you know your parentage for sure and for true? And are any of the people related to any of these people? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bring out your family tree. You're not adopted, are you? Because if you're adopted, I'm adopted. Like you, have to you, go don't, through you this weren't born with a surrogate, right? Like this 20. Now we got to investigate. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And what if your parents never told you that they used oh, holy a shit. sperm donor? Can you imagine? Because, you know, maybe... That would be a shit day. You're like, okay, not only are my parents not who I thought, but you're my brother and I've been sleeping with you. Yeah, like, and now, you know, we're great day. planning this whole wedding. We go down to get our marriage certificate because you don't do that until right before you get married. Right. And you have to oh, get the blood, the blood test. blood test. To go and, get your, oh. yeah, and everything's already planned and you got to call everybody on the guest list. Yeah, we're going to have to cancel because um, turns out that our family tree doesn't branch. <laughs> <laughs> our family tree is a tent pole. Exactly. <laughs> they do That's not us. make a greeting card for that shit. <laughs> no, I don't think they do. <laughs> Sorry you had to cancel your wedding because you were brother and sister. And I think that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.